Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. Glad this morning. I have a wonderful friend in this mission service this morning. Represents Convoy of Hope. He's from Sacramento in the Sacramento area. This is his really rooted down home area, and uh, and he's with us today. His name is Eddie Rents. Uh, Eddie uh, uh, used to be the national youth director for the entire Assemblies of God, uh, which was, you know, uh, uh, all the states, all 50 states was their national youth director. When I first came to this area, then he moved here, started a church here in the Sacramento area. I met Eddie in person. I'd already already knew about him for so long, but I met him in person uh, uh, at a general council. And or when I was when I moved here, let me just rephrase that. Uh, uh, when I moved here, I met Eddie, and we just became fast friends right from the get-go. He was so receptive of me, and we've just been good friends for the last 20 years, and uh, I've watched his life. Now he is uh, director, or pardon me, it's called a, uh, his, he's been with Convoy of Hope for many years, but right now he's an ambassador of hope. He represents Hal Donaldson, who's president of Convoy of Hope, and then the Convoy of Hope uh, organization, uh, on-site churches, organizations, businesses, and so forth. And he's got just a great word to share with you. Also, Eddie, I want to just put this out there because he just completed his doctorate a, a year or so ago with Liberty University. And you can't phone that in. It has to be earned. It might have been two years ago, but whatever it was, or it was a year ago. But I just uh, sent him a note and said, man, Eddie, that's an amazing accomplishment. So I have the privilege of just introducing you. Not only Eddie runs this morning, but... Dr. Eddie Rents, would you give him a God bless you as he comes to share? Would you do that? And Judy, his wife, is here as well. God bless you, Judy. Thank you, my friend. Say something about Judy for a second. Oh, I can talk Say something about Judy because, you know, it's like I just gave you all of the, you know, shout outs, and then she's just sitting there like. Well, you bestowed on me an honorary doctorate, so I appreciate that very, very much. I only am a lowly master. You know? Oh, a it's, master's degree. So, You're you going know, it's okay. forget I, everything I, I said. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll gladly carry doctor out of here. Master's wanna, degree. Thank if you. If you want to share that with me, that is a huge blessing. It could I, be a word of prophecy. It could be. Maybe the Lord, but uh, no, probably not. <laughs> probably not. As much as... Uh, I value education and all of that. It is my wife who is the, the brilliant one, and she is the COO at William Jessup University, and she is, she is uh, beautiful, amazing, you know, all, she is everything. I mean, she's just a gift from God. 31 years this year will be married. It's, uh, it's, it's been it's been an incredible ride, Judy. You got to stand up because everybody has to see who you are. And I am truly—I tell you—I um, love Harvest Church. I, I really do. I love this church. I love the history of this church. But I tell you, I love Pastor Perry and Barbara. They are amazing, amazing people. Can you believe that they? That's right. You can clap for him. That it's, he won't get too big of a head. It'll be okay. He's been 44 years in ministry and 20 of it here at Harvest Church. And I can't believe he's going to, he says he's going to retire, you know, and, and he's going to go enjoy the good life and all that. But you know what? 
people like him are going to get phone calls and calls in order to come and speak and do things because of who he is. He's the real deal, he and Barbara. And I am just so fortunate to have him as a friend because it's more than just me being here for Convoy. We're truly, I admire and love uh, Pastor Perry and Barbara. I think they're tremendous. In fact, I think they are some of the finest. And I am... To have harvest as your capstone is a big deal. And, and you know, and just recently, you just, you just celebrated Barbara's 39th birthday. I mean, it was a great celebration. I'm still trying to figure out how Pastor Perry got her. I think he got her at a low moment because, you know, she just kind of, you know, one of those down moments. And, and she said, oh, well, if I have to or, or you're, you know. <laughs> But man, bless theirs, just amazing people. And of course, your staff, you have, a, you have one of the finest teams. I mean, you have the Youth Pastors of the Year here. I mean, come on. You have a tremendous team. I mean, Gary and Christina, phenomenal people. I love them. Grace and Randy, uh, uh, you know, you guys are just amazing. You, Sam and Nelson and all, all the rest. I don't have time to really go through the, the myriad of names of people, honestly, and it is not hyperbole. It's not just throwing things on. You have a tremendous team of people that love you. And I just got to tell you, God loves you a lot to give you this caliber of people here at this church. And I am just truly honored and blessed. You are known across the country. I don't know if you know this, but missionaries and pastors and leaders know about Harvest Church. They know about the generosity of this church. They know about the passion that you have to help other pastors, other leaders, other people. This church has a reputation. You know, in a day where reputations sometimes are not that great when it comes to some people that have, have not led well or done well, um, this church has a great reputation. You know why? Because you care about the name of Jesus. You care about who you're with and who you serve. And, and because of that, this church has lived a life and done incredible things for the kingdom of God. It's, uh, did I say enough about you when I was up here and did all that? Okay, um, I'm kidding, of course. Recently, my life changed for the good in a greater level. Judy and I just became grandparents. We have now become grandparents. My son-in-law, my daughter, Jordan, and that is that is little Ezekiel Benjamin Huffman. We call him Zeke, and he is nine months old. And I tell you, I don't. How many are grandparents in here? Any grandparents in the room? You know what I'm talking about. It's hard to go. It's hard to travel now because I want to be around little Zeke. I mean, I want to hang out with him, watch him grow. He just got his first tooth. Can't believe it. You know, everything is happening so quickly, and just loving, loving life, having the time of our life. And uh, I pray for my other two kids because they're both single and they're just, they need help. They need God to do something for them. My one daughter is getting her PhD in D.C. She takes after her mom. She's just, uh, she's just amazing what God is doing. And then my son is a CPA and he works for U.S. Fertility. I'm like, you could probably find a girl there. I mean, there may be, you know, maybe, no, I'm kidding. He, uh, he, no, I'm I hope he doesn't watch this because he's going to not be happy about that. But he's just, he loves God. He's generous. He's just amazing. And um, if you know any really amazing people, just. Uh, 
On a serious note, um, Hal Donaldson sends his greetings. He loves this church and loves uh, Harvest Church. You've been a partner and a friend for a long time. And I just want to say, I want to say on behalf of the 465,000 children that are fed every single school day because of your generosity in 29 countries. Thank you. You are changing the trajectory of kids' lives around the world. They're getting fed. They're learning about Christ. They are, their lives are being changed. How many know that if you can't eat, you can't stay awake in school. You can't, you can't form, you can't, uh, you can't do well in school. These kids' lives are being transformed and changed. And, and just so you know, one-fourth of all our feeding programs are in the public schools. And we always connect pastors and churches to these. And God is letting us be able to share Christ in public schools in a greater and greater way. And it is the administrators asking us, would you pray for them? Would you share something for them? Would you tell them about Jesus? It has been amazing. And you're part of that. It is people like you at Harvest that 35,000 women are being empowered right now. They're being taught business practices. They're being seeded money. And now they're able to provide for their family and change their family's life. Melinda Gates said that if you train a woman, empower a woman, that 90% of her income will go back into the family and it will go into the community, which raises the bar in the community and changes everybody's life. And because of people like you, we are empowering women and helping them find their value and their worth. Even young ladies in school are learning. They don't have to give themselves away for nothing that God has made them valuable in his eyes and special. I want to say on behalf of 25,000 farmers that have been trained in best practices to grow or can't organically their crops and to multiply their crops. Now they're buying, they're building schools so that their kids will get educated. The farmers have increased their their uh, opportunities and now they're in the market so they're making money. We had one family that they were literally about to lose their farm and we went in and began to train them and teach them and they yielded crops on a zero year and their first year they made over $3,500 on their crop. The next year, they made $25,000 on their crop. And this year, who knows what it will be because God has expanded what he's doing. Eventually, they're going to they're gonna work their way out of needing our help, which is what we want. We want them to experience the freedom that comes with that. We have helped 2 million people. I want to say on behalf of our disaster services, we have, we have given out this last year over 21 million meals, shared Christ with these that received meals, and we responded to 64 disasters this last year. 64 disasters where people, their lives were troubled. They were in turmoil. They, they were losing everything. Because of your generosity, it has helped them and changed their, their lives in a good way. In fact, any disaster you see in the world, Convoy of Hope is there. 
The moment you read about one or hear about one, you can know that Convoy of Hope is there responding. We're your hands extended, and we're able to bring hope and help because we believe that God's answer for the world is not Convoy of Hope. It is the local church. It is you as the church of Jesus Christ engaging them. In fact, let me give you some good news. He mentioned Red Cross. I want you to know something. They only have a three-star rating. Convoy has a four-star rating from Charity Navigators for 18 straight years. We've gotten a four-star rating, which means that less than 1% of all charities that are looked at and they examine their books and how they use their donor dollars and all that, we've gotten a four-star rating 18 straight years. So the Red Cross can learn from us in what's going on. And Forbes Magazine last year, they rate the top 100 nonprofits in the in the world. There's 1.5 million nonprofits. Convoy of Hope was rated 75 last year for large nonprofits. This year, we got word we're ranked number 47 to the glory of God. How many know that is God at work in a supernatural way. We are loving what the Lord's done and it's, it's to God be the glory. We know it's not about us, it's about him. We follow the miracles and we watch what God has done. And I want you to know all of us here, we've watched the horror of what's going on in the Ukraine. It's been devastating to see the pictures, to see the pain, to know that 2.5 million women and children and, and many that are elderly that have walked across six borders, 1.5 million have gone to Warsaw. But I want you to know something. When the tanks began to roll into Ukraine, convoy began to roll. And we began to bring supplies, emergency supplies, water, food, blankets. We provide fuel for fires because it's still winter there. They're experiencing extreme cold even now. It is because of your generosity that we're able to be there to help those that are hurting and those that are going through difficult times. I want you to know something. It has broken our hearts to watch and to see them as they cross over the border. You see, Convoy of Hope now in Warsaw, and, I, and there are other places we're at. We're in six different cities in six different countries right now responding. In Warsaw right now, we have a warehouse where churches are volunteering and they help get everything set up. Those warehouses right now are being stocked with supplies and we have to this date fed and helped over a hundred thousand of those that are refugees right now. God is on the move, and what we're seeing is that lives are, are experiencing hope in a greater way. In fact, let me show you a video that is, uh, is fresh from Convoy of what's going on in the Ukraine. Watch this for a moment. We're here at the border of Poland and Ukraine, one of the checkpoints that the Ukrainian refugees are coming through with an organization that is working with every single refugee that comes through here with food and any resources they may need to get checked in. And so many of these people have been coming from miles from their towns, talking about how their cities have been leveled. Some of them talking about trains that have been stopped, curfews that they have to abide by, because if they don't have their lights off at a certain time, they're considered the enemy. 
when the war started in Europe, uh, uh, we have to be here because this is a big problem and many, many million people uh, from Ukraine will be, won't go to Poland. But in the first moment on the border will be very hard. Sometimes they wait two, three days, they are very tired uh, and hungry. Prepare food for 3,000 people per day. It's 24 hours, all time, all time. We are after one week and we don't know how many times we need, we have to be here. Of course we will. You do see hardship, you do see trouble in their eyes, but you also see hope as they come on through. Getting that meal and them seeing their kids being taken care of, they have hope. And so we're just trying to feed that as much as we can with every organization we can as we work through this with the people here. I, my hope is finish war, but not finish, think about another uh, people. Never finish. Amazing uh, to see how many people want to work together and help another people. This is true love. Convoy of Hope has been working in countries, doing, doing responses to refugees all over the world. And right now in the Ukraine, it's amazing what God has done. In fact, we have been able to funnel supplies into Ukraine through relationships to help those that are right now in need. And they're risking their lives in order to do that. And it's because of people's heart for wanting to see God meet the needs of people lost everything you see them walking just with a suitcase and a backpack that's all they have leaving everything behind hugging their husband or their brother or or or, or someone that they love closely and leaving it all I, I i'll be honest with you i can't even imagine what that would feel like but I can see in the eyes of those that are broken and hurting and, and don't know what they're going to face up ahead. And the good news is this. Because of people like yourself that have said, you know what? Their lives matter and we want to do something. We've been able to partner with churches. Churches that are not only involved in the feeding and the, and the supplies of what's being given, but they are praying with them. They are loving on them. They are sharing the good news. They are introducing them to Jesus. But what you don't see and the news doesn't show you is that in Ukraine soldiers every day get on their face and cry out to God. There are people that are there that believe God. There's been a move of God that was already happening before the war and now it's just strengthened their resolve and their heart and they believe that God is going to do something in the midst of all of this. And I believe, as Pastor Perry said, that our prayers make a difference. When we begin to pray and say, God, we stand in the gap for those brothers and sisters those that are part of the church and those that need to come that you'll do a miracle on their behalf we believe God's going to do it and we're working through national partners because we want the church to shine we want their their uh, because they're God's answer to the community so God has provided all of these things in fact 
If you want to know more and keep updated, that you can text. I'll show you uh, to be an insider of what's going on. This isn't about money here. This is about you being able to know what Convoy's doing. If you t- text 688-282-INSIDER uh, and you will get updated responses of what Convoy's doing right now, not only in Ukraine, but we're also in Australia where the flooding is going on. We're also in uh, Burkina Faso where there was a coup that it rose up and it temporarily shut down the programs because of danger and now they're back up and running. You'll be able to follow what God is doing and see the praise reports. I want to tell you thank you. Harvest Church has given at the, as a lifetime gift to Convoy throughout the years over $330,000 to God be the glory. I want to thank you so much for your generosity and for helping us change the lives of so many people. You know what the world, you know, today hope matters. You know, we have this phrase, hope sets the table. You know why? Because around tables, family gathers. And if you look at a table, you'll see uh, many times a father in these countries or in your home where you sit around and you you care for your family, you're working hard and trying to provide for them. Imagine in some of these countries where they don't make that much and the dad is doing everything he can. The mom spends much of her day fetching water and then comes back to cook and care for her family. The child is upset because they see their parents worrying about what's going on with them and they are as well hustling to try to bring money into the family to help relieve things. A lot of times people will say, you know what, Pastor Eddie, what is the greatest need today in the world? Is it, is it food? Is it water? Is it shelter? What is the greatest need in the world presently? And I want you to know it's not food or water or education or shelter, although we need these things. But the greatest need in the world is hope. The world desperately needs hope. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and sure. How many know as Christ followers, we have hope that the world doesn't have? That no matter what we go through, no matter what we experience, and we do experience hard times, we still have hope as an anchor. But it's not the same with the world. When you don't have Christ, when you don't have him, you don't have hope. In fact, every 30 seconds in the world, a baby is aborted. Every 10 seconds, a child goes, uh, dies from hunger-related diseases. Every 40 seconds in the world, someone commits suicide. There are 20 to 30 million sex slaves, and many of them are nine and younger. One out of every three have no access to clean water. And what what keeps us up at night is that the average American will hear the gospel in their lifetime 1,400 times. But 40% of the world has never heard or gotten an adequate message of Jesus Christ. That keeps us up at night. You know why? Because the world desperately needs hope. 
They need hope. They need food. They need water. They need shelter. But all of those things that we do to help with them gives us access and opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because when people lose hope, they lose their ability to see a brighter tomorrow and dream for a better future. When spouses lose hope, they give up on their marriages. When parents lose hope, they'll give up on their kids. When leaders lose hope, they give up on their people. And when people lose hope, they give up on dreams. And if they go long enough, they give up on their lives. We can go about 40 days without food. We can go three days without water. We can go eight minutes without oxygen. But we cannot go a single minute without hope. The world needs hope. And when we say yes to Jesus, when we in this faith promise day say yes to him, what we're doing is we're providing the opportunity for hope. We're releasing it to those that don't have hope because the world needs hope. They need what you have. And you can provide it by stepping in and saying, whatever I can do, it'll make a difference. There are about 700 scriptures in the Bible that affirm God's unwavering love for the poor and hurting. In fact, I want to take a few moments and just look at several of them because you'll see a theme in these scriptures. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. Look what it says. It says, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. How many think that's a pretty good promise? How would you like to be blessed in everything you do? Matthew 25 says, And the king will answer them, do you, Don't you know when you care for the one of the least of these little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. Look at Proverbs 19. It says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him his deed. How would you like God to be someone you lend to? How many think he'd pay his bills back? How would you like to be somebody that God was in debt to you because you were giving to what matters? You see, when you look at these verses, you know what you find out? That this isn't just important to God. This isn't just a priority to God. This is personal to God. This is personal to him when it comes to the poor and the suffering. Oh, let me explain it to you this way. If you have kids, you'll understand what I'm going to say. If someone, if, if someone gives me a gift, I'm going to tell them thank you. Man, I appreciate it. Thanks for thinking of me. It means a lot. But if you give a gift to my kids, that changes everything. Because you have now touched something that's so important to me. Now I'm going to bless you. Just get ready because I'm about to do something for you because you have my attention now because you bless my kids. This is personal to our Heavenly Father. And so personal, He's attached promises and blessings and benefits and rewards to those who follow His commands, His heart for the poor and suffering. In fact, Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says, The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Well, you might be sitting here and thinking, well, Pastor Eddie, I don't, I don't give to just get blessing. I, you know, I don't just give to, so God will just give back to me. 
I, I, I did it because it was the right thing. I, I want you to know something. It doesn't matter. You see, when you touch God's heart and what matters to him and what's personal to him, I can tell you this. God is going to give back. God is going to respond. And God is going to do in your life more than you ever can imagine. It's what God does when you choose to express love through giving to those who desperately need hope. Man, the world needs hope. They need it. Over in Ukraine, when they come walking in, one of the things that you see and notice the most is not only the pain in their, in their, in their heart, in their eyes, but you start seeing this sense of what if. This what if and will it ever change? What am I going to go back to? Will my family still be intact? Will my husband or brother or, or family member still be there? What's going to happen? They need hope. But not only do they need hope, how many know the church needs faith? They need hope, but we need faith. We need faith in order to respond to what's needed. That's why it is a faith promise. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church of Galatia. And in this letter, in chapter 6, towards the end of his letter, Paul wrote these words. Paul, Paul began to write these words. And it's all about the law of the harvest or the law of sowing and reaping. It's all about what can happen when you plant seed in good soil, what will take place. And we know that to be true because we see it in the physical. And Paul's saying it happens in the spiritual as well. And look what Paul writes. He says, Galatians 6, 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good. In other words, in, in giving, in generosity, in good deeds. You know, sometimes, let me pause, sometimes we could get tired trying to do good deeds or trying to be generous and wonder, does it make a difference? Paul said, don't grow weary, for in due season we will reap if. Notice that word if. It says, if we don't give up, if we don't quit. Sometimes the need looks so great. Sometimes the circumstances look so bad that we think, my little bit's not going to make a difference. My dollars aren't going to really change anything. My investment of my life is not going to bring hope to somebody. I don't see anything happening. But these words are more, they're more true than ever. I like to call it the law of potential. Let me share with you that matters to our team. You know what? In 1969, you know, people that have been studying hunger and, and studying the effects of hunger, you know, it used to be that 16,000 plus children a day were dying of hunger-related diseases or, or a lack of clean water. They were examining what was going on, and the Gates Foundation said this. If there was a date that changed history, a time that changed history when it came to those that were in poverty, those that were starving, he said it was in 1969. In 1969, if you look before what took place there and to this date, there is a defining line that took place. In 1969, the shift began to happen and they began to study child morbidity, where children that were dying from a lack of food or water, and they examined from five and younger, and this is what they found out. From 1969 to this date, child morbidity has been going down. 
We have been responding and making impact in the world when it comes to child hunger and food and clean water. There is a a momentum that's begun begun to happen and we're seeing the results of that. That we're now seeing that it's dropping. In fact, it's dropped by 6 million kids. Now, if you want to get a picture of what that really is, that is imagine France because that's how many children are in France. Six million children that are surviving, that are beginning that we're, it's changing life. Before 1969, we were losing the battle. Now it's, we're gaining momentum. Let me share something that's passionate to our team at Convoy. One of our greatest possibilities of our generation is we want to end hunger. We want to change the trajectory of lives. We want to end it spiritually and physically. And based upon the progress that has been happening, global leaders believe that by the year 2030 that we could actually reach that goal. Now, COVID has changed the numbers a little bit and they moved it a little bit, but they believe it can happen. But how many know, church, it will only happen if we don't give up. If we begin to see as the church of Jesus Christ that we are making a difference in the world when we give our faith promise, we're not just helping Convoy, we're helping Project Rescue and One Hope and all these ministries that are making a difference in the world and Christ is being elevated and lifted up. We used to use terms like like developed and developing. That's what we categorize people in. But there was a guy by the name of Dr. Hans Roslin, who was a renowned public health educator who spent his life helping children um, out of poverty. And he developed a thinking tool called the four levels. In fact, because of his tool that he developed that the World Bank has changed their wording and they no longer use the words developed and developing. Now they use the four levels. Many wealthy entrepreneurs and philanthropists use the four levels because of how it frames what's going on today. Let me show you what, what Dr. Hans Rosalind came up with and this is what he said. He broke it in four levels. Let me give it to you this way. Level one is one billion people live on level one. We would call this extreme poverty. These are people that make $2 a day or less. There are one billion people on the face of the earth that live on or make less than $2 a day. So they get around by walking. If you would meet them, you would find out that they don't have shoes. They get around walking barefoot. Their meals are cooked on open fire and they spend most of their day fetching water and all of their family, their children and themselves, they would sleep on a dirt floor. That's level one. Level two is three billion people and they make between $2 a day and $8 a day. These you would find out would buy shoes and they may have enough money for a bike. They spend less time getting water. Their kids would go to school. They cook on a stove. And now their family gets the privilege and the blessing of sleeping on mattresses. Level three people, there are two billion on level three, and they earn between $8 and $32 a day. If you went to their home, they would probably have a refrigerator and running water. They can afford a motorbike now to get around 
and some of their kids will graduate from high school. Level four, and this is where we are. There are one billion people, and they make or earn $32 or more a day. They would own a car, maybe two. They get around, they have at least a high school education, and they can afford to take take a vacation occasionally. You say, why does this really matter? I'll tell you why. Because sometimes we don't see what's happening around us, that there is a trajectory where we're beginning to make a difference. And church, if we will step up and we will engage, what will happen is we'll begin to see the progress that is made and not miss it and get weary and stop doing what we do. You see, the things are working at Convoy. Right now, the measures that we are using are working. Our Feeding Children's program is working. Empowering women to start businesses so they can feed their family is working. Teaching farmers and and communities to grow more food so they can feed themselves it is working and we need to continue to fight in order to move this down and change the world as Christ followers we cannot settle we must not settle we've got to realize that God has given us an opportunity to make a difference but it won't just happen in fact I thank God we're saved by grace aren't we Salvation is not about works. Salvation is about grace through faith. What Jesus did on the cross and, and, and embracing that and saying, God, you are Lord of my life and I give you my life is, changes the picture. But how many know that we still have to act? There are things we have to do. Faith isn't, it's just part of it. We have to step in to do things. Let me, let me give you an example. James chapter 2 says, verse 14, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does it do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Verse 26, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without works. We celebrate the victories of yesterday but we know tomorrow depends on today thank God for what has happened thank God for the progress we're making but how many know that what happens today will affect those in the future And that's why we have to step in and say, you know what? Thank God we can pray. Thank God we can believe and say, God, I pray you'll do something. But how many know there comes that moment that you have to step in and say, I'm going to do something that matters and is personal to God because this matters to my heavenly father. And because of my love for him and my relationship with him, I am going to step into what matters. You see, money's not our problem. Faith is our problem. Right now, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty, isn't there? With watching the stock market, the economy, 
with the gas prices, with all that's going on. How many know there's a lot of people and all of us, I should say, are being affected by what's going on today. But how many know that yes, it's real, but we're the people of faith. We're the people that God is able to do what what others cannot do. How many know he can send a raven to a brook to feed you if you need food? God can do supernatural things if you need him to do it. And he said, if you'll step out in faith, if you'll stand in faith, if you'll rise up in faith, if you'll exercise faith, watch what I will do because when you lend to me, I can promise you one thing. God says, I will repay my debt to you. Not because, you know, what you just did it to get rich. No, no, no. This isn't about rich. This is about honor. Honoring him and loving his heart for those that matter to him. But God is waiting for us to exercise our faith. You see, it, it takes faith. If you want to change your family, it takes faith. If you want to change those you're in working with, it takes faith to step in and say, God, use my life. God's waiting for you to ask him, what should I do for eternity's sake? There's an old African saying that I came across, and it's this. If you think you're too small to make a difference, try spending the night in a closed room with a mosquito. Some of you will get that later when you go home, and the mosquito's in your room. You see, God's waiting for us to believe him, to trust him, and to step out in faith. How many know we're the church of the living God? And that gates of hell shall not prevail. And it doesn't matter what the economy says. God says, I have my own economy. And yes, I've got to be wise. And yes, I've got to be, I've got to be prudent. And yes, I've got to decide what I'm going to spend and not spend. But I am going to trust God. Because you see, I'm not just building a bank account here. I'm building a bank account there. And when I stand before him, my treasures that are waiting there, God is going to bless my life. And it doesn't matter the amount. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. Diedrich Bonhoeffer wrote these words. He says, the church is the church only when it exists for others. Jesus said, I didn't come to, to be served. He said, I came to make a difference in others. And sometimes the enemy wants us to believe that right here in Elk Grove, my little, my, I can't change anything. Oh, no, 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 no. It only takes a few drops that starts at the top of the mountain that begin to run down that it turns into a, a rushing, roaring river at the bottom as they all come together on their way down. Today, church, Pastor Barry and has invited us to put faith into action. To say, God, today, what do you want me to believe you to do? And you know what? When you invite him into the equation, miracles happen. And it's a faith promise. He's not going to hound you. He's not going to knock your door down and go, uh, excuse me, where's the faith promise? Oh, no. This is between you and God. 
And what if today, with, I mean, I can't believe he just, what a generous heart to follow the Lord and say, we're going to match. What if today we could see a gigantic miracle to change not only the lives of those that are refugees in, in Ukraine, but so many others that are part of your missions family. This isn't just about convoy. I think Pastor Perry mentioned there are 90 other missionaries that are there. What if today could be a miracle day? I want to close with a video, and Pastor Perry's going to come about how hope sets the table. Thank you, thank you, thank you. On behalf of those whose lives you're going to help and change for his kingdom, it's personal to God. And he will pay his debt. empty plates at the table and countless empty seats. In the famine, in the flood, in the aftermath. A full table is a fantasy. When you are eating nothing, going nowhere, when every road is a dead end, and every cupboard is bare, a full plate is a fable. Then suddenly, love arrives. Faith gets to work and hope rolls up its sleeves. When hope sets the table, seeds become sprouts, become gardens, become fields. Future sinks its roots into the good earth. When hope sets the table, girls grow into women with the power to chase their dreams, define their destinies, and weave their love into communities too strong to unravel. When hope sets the table, bright eyes shine with confidence that comes from a full belly and a sharp mind sparkling with grand dreams and electrifying visions. Convoy of Hope has worked tirelessly to build that table and millions have taken a seat. Now we ask you to join us, to put your love to work, put your faith on the line, share the hope that's in your heart. So please, pull up a chair, let us break bread together, and let hope set the table for millions more. Man, that touches my heart every time. If you're blessed by the message today, would you give Pastor Eddie a great God bless you for coming and being with us? Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at goharvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, 
Stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Thank you.